Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Dan Carson, and you're listening to Student Ministry Matters. I'm here tonight with Micah Powell. What's up, Dan? How are you doing? Hey, guys. Hope you all doing good this evening. Well, it has been a couple of weeks since we were able to talk together. Uh, what's happening in your life, Micah? Everything is happening in my life, Dan. <laughs> no, nah, man, things are great. Romans uh, just growing up and me is starting to have little conversations with us, although they're not in English, they're in Romanese, but we have really enjoyed this season. He's running around like crazy, he played in the snow a couple days ago in October. Can you believe that? Wow, that is crazy. Snow in October here. It's crazy. But things are great, man. I learned a lot. Um it's really grateful what the Lord's doing here and what he's done in Rachel and I, and we just grow in and in love for the Lord and for his church and just love the season. Mm. Well, I think that if I had been able to spend a little bit longer with you guys, I could have figured out Romanese. I was getting close <laughs> towards the end. So I look forward to next trip up there, getting to visit with you guys again and, and getting to know him a little bit better as he grows and is able to communicate a little bit more with me. And that'll be fun. Uh, he's a cute kid. Tonight, as we continue the conversation about student ministry, uh, we're going to be talking about the idea of being a lifelong learner. Uh, Micah is at Midwestern. He's working on his Master of Divinity. I'm working on my Doctorate of Ministry from there as well. And so we've kind of taken that very to the nth point where you are working on an academic education. Uh, but it's much more than that. It is this idea of learning and continuing to learn from people around you, from from books, from all sorts of things. We'll get into those in just a moment. But let me just say thank you for listening. As we continue to grow, we've had over 2,000 downloads. Um, that continues to amaze even me. I've seen we have downloads from Russia, from the UK, uh, from France, um, all parts of the U.S., and it's just exciting. If you have questions and would like to get in touch with us, we always invite you to, to send us an email at info at studentministrymatters.com. We're here for you, and that's what, what we're about. We want to invest in the next generation. We want to invest in those that are seeking to invest in the next generation as well. So, Micah, let's start with our, our question for the week. People are getting to know us, but there was still, we're like onions, you know, peel back the layers and there's all sorts of, well, I was going to say there's all sorts of smells. I guess there kind of is, but it's a little bit stinkier as they get to know us. Uh, let me ask the question. What was your favorite ministry or Bible class at Central Baptist College? Both Micah and I are students, we're students there, we're alumni, uh, we spent a variety of time with a variety of teachers. We were there at two different segments because as Chris is sure to point out next week and he'll just remind me I'm old. Uh, but the question is, what was your favorite ministry or Bible class? 
And Bible class is probably it's re- that's really hard, man. I'm it trying is. To where I can, how I can get the most kudos <laughs> from them? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I think my favorite one um, at the time was was the uh, the classes on pastoral leadership by uh, Dr. Jameson. Man, they, they were just so helpful. I loved his perspective. You know, he we we, we read all kinds of different books and uh, just uh, learned learned some some helpful. Uh, ideas for tough topics in ministry. And then, uh, man, it was just such a great class. I remember we, there was a few of us in there, maybe six or seven, but it was just such a blessing to me. Um, he, hearing from him and other authors like Al Mohler and about some some ways to uh, kind of stuff that we wouldn't have known um, in, in the pastorate, maybe that we had to just maybe figure out. But man, I really, really appreciated both that ministry and, and that class. Mm. He's a pickle bud. Yeah, there, there were a lot of, of good classes. Uh, that I could go back to, and it, it is hard to think of just one or or to think of a favorite teacher even. I know for me, really, and it's kind of funny that you bring this up, but the pastoral ministry class, and who was it taught by? It was Dr. Jameson. He wasn't a doctor at that point. He didn't have his doctor in ministry, uh, but it was such a practical, hands-on class. Way back in the day, we he had us put together a notebook that we would pull out, and it would cover things like baptism service, Lord's Supper, order of worship, you know, just a wide range of things that was just very practical and hands-on. Now, for those who are listening and working with student ministry, um, you know, I had youth counseling. That was a great class. I had a few other classes that were in focused in on that, that sort of thing. But as a class from Central Baptist College, I'll probably never forget my time with, with Dr. Jameson. I also did my internship with him. So while he was at Temple Baptist Church in Little Rock, I had a six-week period where I was serving under him, learning as we'd go out and make visits you don't do that as much anymore, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, but it was just a whole bunch of things. He he had me reading books, and I read books that I hadn't been exposed to before. Um, so I just really enjoyed him as as an instructor. Uh, you mentioned Doctor Jameson. Was he probably your favorite teacher there? Yes, I, I mean I loved him. He he actually I don't remember he he, he was kind of a new teacher at the time. Um, not not new, but kind of like you know a year or two being there. Um, right. But yeah, he's he's definitely well. I mean, favorite teacher, God. I know it's hard. I loved his class and I loved him. But my probably my favorite teacher, oh, man, you're so mean. This is so mean. I know. I know. It's between. <laughs> I mean, it's between Doctor uh, Doctor Mitchell or Doctor Porter. Uh, doctor Porter just has a, a like a sweet spirit. Like. He would make some of the driest jokes and you had to be like listening and in class, like aware when he made it because everybody else would be kind of sleeping, you know, or like there'd be those guys in the back, like just didn't care about the class or something and just were passing or something or whatever. And then there's like us kind of in the, that cared about it that were sitting closer or maybe in the back, but just listening and he'd make a dry, just a dry, I mean, Nevada dry joke. And I would, I mean, we're just rolling, you know, cause of something he said, but I'd probably say Dr. Porter. Probably. I had two other instructors that I've got to mention. Of course, Dr. Mitchell, and Dr. Mitchell has gone on to be with the Lord. And I I was a part of his first semester teaching there. And so it was just crazy. I remember as a freshman, he assigned a five-page research paper that we had to write. And we were all, oh, no, we can't do this. (laughs) But I think I learned more in that research paper than I had learned about the Bible in the years leading up to that. And so 
but he was great. Uh, Dr. Slayton still at the uni- at uh, Central Baptist College. Uh, Dr. Jameson is still at Central Baptist College, and and more recently, uh, Dr. Jesse Thomas went on to be with the Lord, and he was one of those guys that was just he was there, he was consistent, he loved on young preachers and young young ministers, and wanted them the best for them. Well, as you can tell. I think Micah and I both had a great experience, especially with the Bible courses and the ministry classes and the ministries that we were involved with there on campus. I mean, it was a fantastic time. Why do I bring that up? Well, we're going to be talking about lifetime, being a lifetime learner. But one of those things that you can do is you can go to a place like Central Baptist College or uh, you can make the trek up to Midwestern in, in Kansas City. Or you can go to the BMA Seminary in Jacksonville, Texas, or Mid, uh, Mid-America mid that is in Memphis. I mean, there are places that you can go to. But for many of us, going to some place and setting aside time to go to classes is difficult, and we can't do that. So we have to learn the value and learn the importance, I think that's a better phrase of it, learn the importance of being a lifetime learner where we're at, what's going on. And so I want to talk about a couple of things here tonight. Um, We're going to start with this idea of what is that value? What's the value of being a lifetime learner? And just kind of walk through some things together. The first one that we've kind of honed in on is this idea that being a lifetime learner helps us remain humble. The simple truth is that we don't know it all. Mm. Micah, you got something to add? Yeah, you know... (laughs) We just can't believe. I can't. We can't even. We, we can't, it's not helpful for us to believe that that we somehow have such a firm grip on what we're doing that we don't have to ask for help. Man, that can just be so dangerous, you know. And I know we've both seen what, maybe even in ourselves, Dan, that that yeah. pride that's like, oh yeah, I got this. You know, I know how to to deal with preaching. You know, I was a preacher's kid, or you know, I, I had that really when I was. I remember it really bad when I was like eighteen, like. 17. I never took it to my student ministry. I was like, yeah, I'm better than these kids. But, but I definitely was passively could sense that I had this problem in, in pride thinking that I, I had some things covered. And, and I'm here, you know, in seminary now, I think learning what I, all that I didn't know, like, golly. Yeah. And, and, I, and I knew I didn't have a full grip even when I was um, at Park Place and Bryant. Uh, and even before that, like it was so much I knew that I, I was so in, inadequate in, in my uh, thinking or and not even ideologies, but just the stuff that I, I knew that it was, I had no idea on certain topics, like, you know, how to deal with a, a, a same sex attraction situation with students in a ministry. Like I didn't know how to go through that. And I was just like praying that it wouldn't happen. Um, and just, you know, just by hopefully preaching the word that it would like somehow magically work itself out in my student group. And like, again, like I, I had to consult other brothers. And, and so it was pride. So, I mean, one of the negatives of, kind of thinking that we don't need um, other people or continuing to learn or that it's too hard or too difficult or I can't trust these people is that, you know, we definitely don't want pride to well up in us, you know? Yeah. Um, I know we all can recall times when we struggle with sin, which I do. I struggle with sin, guys, just like everybody else. And pride can be something that can be catastrophic to your leadership. You can't do this on your own. If you're in leadership, guys, man, just hear this, please. The, the pride comes before a fall is what scripture says in the New Testament. Um, but, but guys, just don't believe you can do it on your own. You know, you need God um, in your student ministry. You need God in your family. You need him 
just for your own soul. Like you need his presence in your life. You cannot live well on this earth without uh, knowing Christ is your savior. And I cannot speak loud enough and long enough on this subject, Dan, as I know you could too, but and literally it's also important for us to understand that Satan had that mentality that, you know, I don't need to continue. I don't need to learn. I've got everything figured out. Uh, I want to cast my stars and my fame and my name among the, you know, the highest that they can go. And we just don't want to have that catastrophic mentality that we can get to a height on our own, on our own work, on the sweat of our brow or the you know, the work in our back. We just don't need to think because it can be such a catastrophic. Because God can humble you, and and I definitely don't want that. Neither does Dan uh, want that for uh, your walk with the Lord. That He has to um, break that pride. I think that's just a huge negative that we need to. I need to guard against, right? Um, and, yeah. and we all do. What is was great is if we take on a seriousness about learning throughout our lifetime. If we are committed to reading, to studying, to doing all those things, it is going to continually keep us humble because we're going to realize, oh, there's somebody out there who knows a little bit more than I do that has an answer to this problem. I don't have all the answers. And so it's that humility that it's key for us to be a great student pastor, a great student ministry leader, a great student ministry worker. Humility is a big part of that. Well, the second thing that we have on the is the value of being a lifetime learner is this. It keeps us sharp in ministry and in the Word. And what I mean there is that it lets us know what else is happening out in our world, what's happening in Christendom. If I don't know what's going on, then I am uh, just kind of oblivious to those things. And, and, and I need to be a lifetime learner about the Word. I need to be studying it for myself taking it in, memorizing it, um, journaling, all those type of things. But that just keeps us sharp. When we're a lifetime learner, it keeps us sharp in, in those areas. Micah? Yeah, kind of in kind of just along that thought, that thought process is as, as we're not. And again, you, we, we don't want to just sell the seminaries here too. Like not everybody can, uh, can afford and, and, and may have a specific uh, desire to go to seminary, but or Bible college, but we don't want to just say that that you know. I want you to hear that, but uh, continuing learning and from discipleship from people, right? Um, because uh, kind of the opposite of that is what you're saying in being sharp in ministry is doling ourselves, right? And he, we talked about not knowing what's going on in in, in Christendom and in, in the life of Christians in the world. It can dull our senses when we only have our own minds, our own thoughts. And let's listen to this. You know, I never realized this, but from Ephesians four, there's actually a. a uh, a way in which we approach the text. As I was approaching the text with some students at a church camp, as we're going through Ephesians 4, I said, hey guys, listen, if you're struggling with this sin, one of the reasons that discipleship is so important is as you read the word, if you constantly run to a sin, <clears throat> that's like your life sin or whatever, everywhere you go in the Bible, you put that struggle in the Bible where you're reading uh, like a judgment, like, you know, God judges a, a wicked nation in the Old Testament. Uh, and, and the purpose isn't for him to, for, for, for him to say, oh yeah, uh, not just as this sin that you're doing, you're now wicked, like these people that are wicked. He's, you know, we almost like put our struggle in ourselves where David was. And the point is not to put ourselves in the text, but the text and what's going on in the story of the characters talk to us, you know, and, and show us some other sins that maybe uh, we need to like work through and allow Jesus to, to pay uh, uh, to pay for in, in, in our sin uh, on the cross, nailed to the cross in a way. And so, like, we don't need to dull ourselves because of our same struggles that we have. So, always going to the the, the scripture 
and, and seeing the same thing from scripture that it's always this, this um, adversary in a way, and it's us. We put ourselves in the Bible when we read in our own struggles. And if all you're reading the, from Genesis to Revelation is your own struggle, then we may not be growing somewhere. And we don't want that. We want to continue to grow. Uh, but we definitely don't need, we need to be sharpened in ministry um, and, and, and in the word. And we can only do that by asking others for help um, and then getting different perspectives on what the word uh, has to say about different struggles uh, that may help us uh, allow Jesus to pay for um, and, and work out our sanctification, work out our our, our uh, salvation in a way where Jesus can uh, help us see victory over these sins that we struggle with. Well, the third thing that we have is, is pretty straightforward. When you become a lifetime learner, when you are constantly uh, reading, studying, doing all those things, you're going to receive wisdom from others outside of your church. And I think that is key. And outside of your own student ministry, because sometimes we can become very tunnel visioned and think, oh, well, this is nobody else understands. Nobody else uh, has ever gone through anything like this. Um, But as a lifetime learner, uh, one of the things that I do is I listen to podcasts, and we'll talk about some some ways that you can be a lifetime learner here in a minute. But I'll listen, and I'll hear people. I've heard Ben Trueblood on the, the Lifeway Students podcast. I've heard um, others, uh, Dan Stewart and some of the guys down at the How To Youth Ministry podcast. The, there are just others out there that are wanting to speak in some wisdom into your situation. That's what we hope to do. Uh, through this podcast, but w- this idea that you can receive wisdom from others outside of your church is, is one of those huge values of being a lifetime learner. I, I love, uh, I don't remember who it was, but just fighting at the forge. I don't remember who it was that sometimes when you're trying to, to beat out some uh, some tough things theologically or just personally. Sometimes it takes another armorer to come alongside you and to kind of help you uh, g- give you a new hammer to hammer out some some hardened iron. And uh, I remember who it was that talks about that. Now, so you can hear Skyrim in my uh, in my <laughs> illustrations here. I'm like, yep, got to get a new repair hammer as the level five nerd I am. But, you know, it's just so, and I love that Charles Spurgeon often talks about like, he always talks about like, things in like biology, like um, plants and animals and just things in God's beauty. And and he also also talks about like forges and uh, refining forges and, you know, hammering out stuff. And so I I love, I love his heart in that, but he definitely probably would have, he probably would have been a gamer actually. Um, No, I'm just kidding. He didn't have enough time for it. But I think the opposite of like receiving wisdom from others um, and how we kind of, as we're thinking through not, you know, uh, receiving help from others, it kind of, and we're going to say this in the fourth one too, in a way it's just going to be a little different, but you only know, know how to traverse and how to deal with problems within your group. And I know like a lot of times it seems like that's enough for you to deal with. <laughs> Believe me, like I, we hear you, but there was a couple of times where um, a brother in uh, down the road for me going to him and getting lunch and just kind of us talking and prayerfully um, giving real facts about things we were dealing with. It wasn't a gripe session for sure, but it's something that we came together and were able to give real facts about stuff we were dealing with. And w- one of the benefits of that for me was it it ta- it showed me that there were uh, so much so many other big problems, bigger than my world. And it like was so. And for me, I relied on Jesus. It made me like it be more in awe of Jesus that my brain was wrapped around my students and just engulfed in my students. And it like, there's almost like this hedge built around me, this wall built around me of just these people. And it, it like, 
man, the gospel just blew that down. I'm hearing my brother confess some, some personal str- struggles and some leadership troubles and then hearing what his kids are dealing with. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful that Jesus is good enough to help my brother Jordan um, through how to deal with this situation. Cause I'm sitting there in awe going, how did you do like, dude, how did you do that? Like, how did you deal with that? And then in turn, I'm telling him my struggles. He's like, dude, how did you deal with that? It's just like, it was such an encouragement. Um, but the negative of that is we don't want, we, we don't want to just be so engulfed in our problems um, that, that that's all we hear. You know, it's kind of like what we put to the word in our own struggles. We don't want that. You know, we want to be able to like deal with other things that may like, uh, help us get, you know, break free of, of a struggle and through Jesus, of, of course, but uh, to be able to break free through a struggle. And, but I mean, just being able to understand that there are so, there are so many of the problems and other tensions that other people are dealing with and being there for them. Um, and, and it also, it helps you teach, teaches you how to uh, deal with other problems and how that brother or sister is dealing with uh, that other problem in the church. And, and I use this phrase a lot and I, I believe it's an important phrase for us to embrace as student ministry workers if I am going to be a lifetime learner, I am going to be open to receiving wisdom from others outside of the church. Not just that's not just a benefit that I get to receive wisdom, but I am going to actively look for that, receive wisdom as people try to speak into my situation. I'm going to look for wise people to go speak to and not just pull up the the next article. How do I deal with a parent who doesn't like me, you know, <laughs> Google that and yeah. see what happens. That's, <laughs> that's not what we're talking about here. Uh, we want you to be uh, looking for good sources and to, to receive that wisdom and not just the, the next best idea that rolls along. So, well, the, one of the, the fourth value that we, that we have for you tonight is this, that the value of being a lifetime learner is that it creates potential support networks. And what we mean here is, uh, there's any number of conferences, retreats, colleges, seminaries, all of these different areas that you may get involved with other people, and you have the potential of having support. Just recently, I went up to Midwestern for my doctoral seminar, and in those moments, that two and a half days that I was in class with these guys, we formed a, a quick relationship and we were able to support one another. And now I'm communicating to them via text and email. Some of it's about class. I want it to be about more. And I think over the years that I met Midwestern, it will be. Uh, ministry relationships, ministry friendships are so important for us. And when we are a lifetime learner, there's going to be those moments where we're going to find somebody. We're going to meet somebody at the SING conference, or you're going to meet somebody at the student ministry workers retreat that we put on, and you're going to be able to share about your struggles and your trials, and you're going to have support there uh, that you wouldn't have otherwise. And so that's just one of those values of being a lifetime learner. Yeah, and you know some of the negatives are all are very related. And Dan and I talked about that before we started this. Um, and so, but but just to really hash out some of the negatives of why uh, of of the devalue of what it means to be a life to to not be a lifetime uh, learner is is just we talked about first pride uh, that you can do it on your own. Second, doling your sensitives uh, your your yourselves uh, to your own perspectives um, and and doling the sword of your the, the word. Um, and then the third thing was it kind of makes you only engulfed in your group. And uh, then the fourth thing is no man is in an Island. Listen, guys, the, all of the negatives that come from 
um, not being a lifetime learner are all self-righteous, self-indulgence, self-pride, selfish things, all of them. So we, we wanted four different things that, um, in this podcast uh, to be like, hey, th- these are all things that Satan is trying to do to get you forced to an island, forced to a place, to a space where you're alone, you're afraid, uh, where the, the, the odds are insurmountable or un, un, you can't beat them. You, you won't have victory over them. And that, that's what Satan wants to, to do to you. And he wants to make it where uh, you'll never be able to get out of it, or at least to your mind to think that you can get out of it. He wants you stuck. Um, and, and listen, so all Dan is trying on the other end, what we're saying here is trying to show you like, these are such important things to be a lifetime learner. Um, but the negatives are all that self pride, the self and guys, listen, John said it best, John the Baptist, I must decrease and Christ must increase. And, and that is literally the, the heart of what it is to be a lifetime learner. The thrust of it is we have to lean and increase in God, because if we don't, then we will increase and we do not need to increase. We are already, we struggle with pride, all of us. Every pastor, whether he admits it or not, struggles with pride. And even if he doesn't confess that sin, which is a problem of not being a lifetime learner, Satan at the fourth, the opposite of what he'll do to, if you don't create those potential like uh, networks and support groups, he, he, Satan will push you on an island. And I've seen the strongest quote men of the gospel um, only engulfed in their church, only engulfed in their books, only engulfed in their in their struggle and their pride and their sin and with no accountability and no network. And I've seen the decisions they have done and the things uh, that are catastrophic to churches. And it ruins churches. It ruins lives. It puts enmity between people and brothers in Christ. And hey, listen, that is not okay. And Jesus said it in the Gospels, didn't he? He said, if you have a problem with your brother— or if your brother has a problem against you, that you leave your offering at the altar. You leave it there. While in worship, you leave it there. You leave, go from the, go to the church, go find your brother, work out that problem, and then come back and give your offering. Like, our, guys, listen, we are supposed to live in a unif- unified, united, church-centric, uh, Christ-centric world uh, as Christians. It is our life. Christ is our life. Church is our life. And we have to be united to each other because Satan is trying to unwork us. He's trying to unwork everything that we can learn of God. And so um, don't, don't let Satan put you on an island um, because at the end of all these things, we mentioned these four things, the negatives of, of not being a lifetime learner, the end of it is an implosion. You will implode. There will be, you, will, you will be so at one point, uh, and I've been there tempted there for sure, um, it's, I've had, have yet to have that happen, but uh, you will be so self-focused that you will implode in your sin. You will implode um, in your struggles, and you'll feel alone. And, and, and guys, I've seen some people because of this horrible stuff. I, don't, I hate to even mention some of this, but we've seen brothers take their lives because Satan was so good at his job that they felt it was impossible to get out of something. Guys, by the grace of God, he can save you from anything. He can help you through anything. I'm learning that here. I have so much to learn still, guys. Dan, I know you feel the same way. I know Chris would be amending this. Like, we have so much to learn. I'm not going after a degree here. It's not the piece of paper. It's that I want the Micah that thinks that he knows everything to die here, that he doesn't know everything. And that even at the end of this, I will have not arrived to an intellectual state, but I will have arrived to a humble, broken state, realizing how little I actually knew and how much I needed God to provide. And that's what we want in all of this. 
do not be so self filled that you, you believe you can do it on your own. Don't allow yourselves in your word, this, what you know of God's word to dull. Um, don't think you can, um, get outside of your group's problems and don't get so engulfed in your sin. And then the last one, man, don't let Satan put you on an Island and don't give in to the personal sin, pursue Christ with everything you have, mortify sin, slay it, allow Christ to die for it and find accountability. And guys, these are the, we want you to be lifetime learners. These are great values. You know, over the years, there have been moments where I have just kind of set my brain on a shelf not, um, and thought, eh, I've got my bachelor's degree. I've got my master's degree. I know more the, about the Bible than these kids, uh, these students that I'm working with, um, than most of the church members that I was working with. You know, I'm like, I've got this. Yeah. And it's, it's that issue of pride that'll just eat you up. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, I haven't been studying the word. I don't know as much as I thought I did. You know, after I finished at Central Baptist College, I was like, man, I don't know anything. Then a few years later, I thought, oh, I got this. And then all of a sudden a big issue will come along and you realize, nope, I don't. So I need to be constantly learning and growing in my faith and my understanding of ministry Man, if we're going to work with students, you got to be constantly learning. If you want to have a long-term ministry, let me put it that way, you definitely have to be learning because youth culture changes dramatically. I began working in student ministry in the 90s, in the early 90s. It is now 2020. <laughs> Things have changed so much. You know, we have we have the internet now. We did, I mean... <laughs> Um, Jeez, Dan. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> just like, and I just said that and I realized myself, oh my gosh, I'm so freaking old. Um, yeah, you're like, but, I got, yeah, you remember when the interweb came out? <laughs> yeah, the interwebs. Uh, that's, but but if, if I wasn't intentional about learning along the way, then I could only be a youth pastor until that youth culture had shifted. So I could be a youth pastor during college and maybe up to 25 or 26. But if I'm not learning about what's happening and growing in that process, then that's about the end of it. Yeah. And then you have to say, well, I guess they'll have to have some other younger youth pastor. No, mm. man, you can be a geezer like me at 48 and still work with students because you know what they need? They need Jesus Christ. They need relationships with adults who care about them and love them. That's the ultimate thing. And so we want to be lifetime learners. Well, I've got a list here of things that, you know, you may think, well, okay, you keep talking about being a lifetime learner. Give me some help. Point me in a direction because, you know, does that mean I should pick up every book I read, you know, I see? No, it's not. But there are some things that you need to do that you need to make a priority. And I think the first is, of course, digging into the word. Micah and I can't stress that enough. If we want to be teachers and preachers of God's Word, we can't depend on curriculum alone. We can't depend on just the stuff that's out there. We don't need to regurgitate. We need to ingest God's Word, take it in, mull it over, hang on to it, and then share it. Share it with the students in our lives. And they're going to see that that's real. It's not just a curriculum. It's not just a thing that happens. Now, don't get me wrong. Curriculums are great, but we want to be spending time in the Word 
ourselves, digging into the Word. The second thing that I have on on how to be a lifetime learner is consider the option of Bible college and seminary. Now, I know it's not for everybody. Some of you who are listening are, you might be older than I am. You might be somewhere in between um, that 25 and that 48. You're somewhere in that range, and your life circumstances say, I can't go to seminary or Bible college. We live in a day and age where a lot of those options are now available online in big ways. I contacted Central Baptist College today and talked to them, said, what would that look like if somebody wanted to get a degree in ministry? How would that work? And they have a PACE program, and you can go to cbc.edu. You can find out more about that, and I'll have a link in the show notes. But there are other places. There are opportunities for you to work on a master's degree at places like Midwestern or Mid-America or the BMA Theological Seminary in Jacksonville, Texas. Many of those are options now that were never possible before. If you wanted to go to seminary, you had to do like what Micah did, pick up your little family, move to a place, try to find a job, try to make all your budget balance so that you can squeeze out the payments for school and pray for scholarships and all those other things. But now you can do that in your own home. And it is, it's pretty fantastic um, how God has used technology to help that area and help us continue to be a lifetime learner. But I will say something that Micah said earlier. We don't have, you don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to go to Bible college to be a lifetime learner. It starts by just reading. My pastor is a great example of that. He has his degree from Central Baptist College. Actually, I'm not entirely sure. I know he has his bachelor's degree. (laughs) I can't remember where he got his degree from. uh, But I know he's got his bachelor's degree. But he is one of the smartest, most godly men that I know. And he studies and he reads. He has easily a Ph.D. level intellect. And he has that much knowledge just rolling around in his head about things. But he, he doesn't have the letters. He doesn't have the papers. But that doesn't negate the knowledge that he has accumulated over the years. And he's done that because he's a lifetime learner. So just I want to give you that word of encouragement. The third thing in way that you can be a lifetime learner is by reading blogs. Micah, do you have any blogs that you kind of go to and read on a regular basis? I think Facebook supplies me with so many, it's ridiculous. But uh, Charles, yeah, it's true. The, the Spurgeon Library here has one um, that's specifically just Spurgeon's, typically just Spurgeon's blogs on just different thoughts that he had that are so relevant to today, like family and, and business you know, ethics and uh, preaching, but also like pastoring and relationships with people and relationship with your kids. And, mm. uh, and just, a, I mean, just a, a large, a large, very large source on a, a variety of different topics. And, and I wouldn't say a lot of politics, but even like seasonal stuff. I, I mean, just dealing with, you have something you're trying to reflect on in Thanksgiving, like, you know, um, there, there's articles for that. Uh, that's a big one for me, the gospel coalition. I really like their website. I really like, um, uh, desiring God. Obviously y'all know, I love uh, John Piper, love his heart and joy. And so, um, and I identify a lot with that, um, just finding joy and, and living out that joy and stuff. Um, those are three probably my probably top ones for me, probably. Yeah. And there there are other opportunities out there. Even on our um, website, we have a kind of limited blog. We haven't written as much on that. Um, you can find articles in, in the Baptist Trumpet, which is the, the state paper for the BMA of Arkansas. Um, I write a weekly article. Sometimes those get posted to our website. But there are a lot of great blogs out there. Just make sure that you, again, have 
kind of looked into them, understand where they're coming from and not just reading because of a flashy headline and because mm. that can be a real tendency. Yeah. Well, another thing in a way to be a lifetime learner is podcasts. If you like to listen to podcasts, which you're listening to this one, so you at least want to hear from us and our craziness. Uh, but there are plenty of other choices out there. I personally le- listen to uh, Rainer on Leadership. I listen to the Revitalize and Replant podcast. Both of those are very all kind of encompassing of different types of church activity. Uh, but I've listened to uh, Ben Trueblood. I mentioned him earlier on the, the Lifeway Students podcast. There are other podcasts out there. I mentioned How to a Youth Ministry with Dan Stewart and Jimmy Brock. Those guys, it's a, it's a, they're newer, but they care about students. They care about ministry, and they've got some great concepts. Uh, podcasts can be a great way uh, to really get some information in your head. And you pick theologians. You can listen to John Piper. You can listen to others. Uh, that are out there. Just some good, solid stuff. Another way to be a lifetime learner is the obvious. It's books. And you can do that by physically reading books, or you can do that by listening to books on things like Audible. Yeah, I know that Micah's getting his full his fill of books by being at seminary right now. Um, I'm getting my own fill of that. But you want to find books that of authors, you can, again, that you can trust, that you see that they're concerned about God's word, about the church. You, you have I don't want to say you have to be careful, but you do want to be mindful and be intentional as you, you go find books. Another great way to be a lifetime learner is to go to conferences and workshops. There are all sorts of things out there. One of them that I'm wanting to go to and haven't had the chance yet is if you're a preacher and you're listening to this podcast, consider the Preaching Lab. Yes, They have a Facebook group. They have their own podcast. These are guys that we love and respect, and they are just, they have the same heart for preachers that we have for student ministry workers. They want to pour into preachers and help them get the most out of their, their Sunday morning messages and healthy pastors, healthy pulpits, I believe is their, their catchphrase. And it's, it's a great one. Um, have you been to some other conferences that you might recommend, Micah? Yeah. Um, there was one through, um, Stu Lead, I think. That was that was enjoyable. I think. Um, I mean, of course, I'm gonna I'm gonna really in, you know uh, reference like together for the gospel. Those were really sure. fun. Sing was really fun. Um, oh man, yeah, really good. The Gospel Coalitions G3, uh, your preaching lab uh, for the church one here was just I mean tremendous. Um, you can do virtual ones too, guys. Um, yeah, the, there's a lot of free virtual conferences that you can type in a subject and it pulls it up. It's really helpful. I mean, just really helpful. Um, but the Stu Lead group, it's a Southern Baptist a student ministry group, I think is what it's called. Um, that was really helpful. I really enjoyed those. Yeah. In fact, I am scheduled to be a part of one tomorrow. <laughs> I just remember that on October 29th. And so nice. uh, to, to it's a free all-day conference that is going to cover some topics about student ministry. And you think, well, Dan, you've been in student ministry over 25 years. Do you need to go to things like that? Yes, I do. If you've been in student ministry, you've got to be a lifetime learner. And so I I go and I hear from people that have been in student ministry for maybe five years, but you know what? They're in a different context and I'm learning things from them and I've got to remain humble and understand that God is using them 
and I want to see what they they can share with me and what God has for me in that. So conferences and workshops are a great way. Connection groups. You can find all sorts of places to connect with people. Facebook is actually a pretty good deal. Uh, we have our Student Ministry Matters community group. It is a way for you to interact with others. We have a Facebook page, which is just kind of, you know, that front page where people can see who we are. It's kind of on the same level as a website. But if you get involved in a group, whether it's the Download Youth Ministry community or the Student Ministry Matters community, these different types of community groups, you have the opportunity to interact with others. But hopefully you can find that same sort of thing on a more local basis, that you can find a group of ministry friends. And maybe they are pastors at the the Assembly of God Church and the Methodist Church and the you know, the Baptist church down the road. And it, because you're dealing with students that are in the same schools, they're facing some of the same issues, and you may have a difference of opinion when it comes to theology, but there's probably the same overriding love of students in that whole group. And that can be a very powerful and meaningful thing. And so I just encourage you to, to continue in that lifetime learning by, by reaching out and finding some places to connect with. Now, the last thing that I have is social media. Now, I when I put social media and think about social media, I don't think just about Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, although that's a, an important part. Mike and I were talking about this earlier on. When I was if, first in youth ministry, I would often turn on MTV. Now, <laughs> MTV, back when it was actual music television, okay? And so I'm I'm there at that point trying to figure out what my students are listening to, um, seeing what they're watching, seeing what's going on in their lives, because I want to be able to to speak to them on those subjects. Sometimes I'd listen to stuff and go, hmm, I don't really care for that. Well, you know, my students might. And so I would need to understand that better. Now, there's a great group called Axis. Um, that helps you understand culture, and we'll have a link to them uh, in the show notes. Uh, But that's what we need to do. We need to understand the culture. And again, when I started student ministry, there were no iPhones. There were none of, you know, a lot of these screens and tablets and uh, so much, so much has changed. If I had decided early on that I wasn't going to continue to learn, I wouldn't still have the ability to speak to students and say, hey, what's going on in your life? Oh, man, I've heard about that. Um, there are certain things that I still haven't kind of gotten with, you know. <laughs> uh, TikTok, bah. Uh, I think we have. Um, yeah, even a Snapchat is something that I've always kind of put on the back burner. Um, but, you know, I, I know it's out there. And I know that what, kind of what's going on. And I see different things. And, and I want to understand because that's where my students are. And I've got to continually learn about what's happening in that. So this idea of being a, a lifetime learner is difficult. You know, there, there are some definite values to those things. And then there are some definite um, negatives that if you're not being a lifetime learner, we've touched on both those positive and negative aspects. And we've talked about some ways that you can be a lifetime learner. But if you need some help in that process, if you think, okay, well, what are some books that, what should I read next? Or what should I look to next? And if you're just stuck, man, send us a, an email at info at studentministrymatters.com. We'd love to help you. we we'll love to encourage you. 
you know, if you're looking for a great student ministry book to read or right off the bat, we've already talked about this several episodes ago, but Fulfill Your Student Ministry. It's edited by Samuel Burig from up at Spurgeon College in, in Kansas City. There's some other authors that are there on that campus, but they talk, it's just a great field guide to student ministry if you're looking for a starting point. But, you know, this idea of being a lifetime learner is is a very big deal. Um, it is always a joy to share with you on this podcast. I just want to encourage you that as you go forward, that you will be looking for ways that you can learn. Maybe your church can send you to a conference. Maybe you can take a group of people with you to a conference. That's even better. Uh, but if they can't, save up your money, spend some time, uh, start by just going the free options. You can download podcasts all day long. You can look at blogs all day long as long as you got internet. And that's a way for you to start and not have to spend a penny. And so let me just encourage you to keep learning, keep working, keep serving. Why do we do those things? Well, because student ministry matters. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.